Innalhamdalillah Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'ufiruhu Wa na'udhu billahi min syururi anfusina wa siyyati a'malina Man yahdihillahu falamudillalah Wa man yudhlil falahadiyalah Wa ashadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharikalah Wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh Amma ba'd, carrying on then with Umdat al-Ahkam, with the explanation that we are using of al-Shaykh al-Fawzan and also al-Shaykh al-Athaymeen. Today then, we come to the hadith of Anas ibn Malik. Radiyallahu anhu qal, qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, tasahharu فَإِنَّ فِي السَّحُورِ بَرَكَةً The Prophet ﷺ said, Have the sahur because in the sahur there is barakah. Make sure to have the sahur in the mornings. Make sure to have the sahur. تَصَحَّرُوا فَإِنَّ فِي السَّحُورِ بَرَكَةً because there is blessings in the sahur. هذا الحديث حديث عظيم فيه أنه لا يجوز الصيام قبل طلوع الفجر لأنه قال تصحروا والصحور متى يكون عند طلوع الفجر وقت السحر so this hadith, it indicates that you should not start fasting until the time of Fajr starts. That's where you can no longer eat and your fast begins. You shouldn't start fasting from well before that time. Because the hadith says you should have the sahur. And when is the sahur supposed to be? Just before the Fajr time starts, you're supposed to have the Sahur just before the Fajr time starts. Which shows, therefore, that you're not supposed to be fasting at that time. You're not supposed to be fasting before Fajr. You're supposed to be eating, having the Sahur. And the fasting begins when the Fajr time starts. So the hadith indicates that it is not permissible to be fasting in advance early before the Fajr time. And this shows you the mistake of some of the people on their timetables. They have a Fajr start time and they have the Sahur end time. And sometimes their sahur end time, for example, it might be like 2.30 a.m. And their fajr entry time on the timetable says 3.09 a.m., for example. So where has that 39 minutes come from? Why is that there? It's a mistake. The sahur ends when the fajr time enters. Not half an hour before the Fajr time enters, one hour before the Fajr time enters. 
you can carry on eating up until the Fajr time starts. Not the Fajr prayer, the Fajr time. When the time of Fajr enters. And so you're supposed to have the Sahur meal because the Prophet said, فَإِنَّ فِي السَّحُورِ Because there is blessings within the Sahur prayer. السحور بضم السين المشددة هو التسحر مصدر أما السحور بالفتح فإنه الطعام الذي يؤكل For the word سحور there are two ways to pronounce it Either you say سحور or you say سحور Suhoor is the act of having the suhoor. Sahur is the actual food that you have at that time. Sahur is the actual food that you eat. Suhoor is the whole act of eating the food at that time. So the Prophet said, That within this food you have at the Sahur time, there is Baraka within it. Because having the Sahur, eating that meal in the morning is an act of worship. Getting up to have the Sahur, eating that food to start your fast with, that Sahur. Having it, eating it, is an act of worship. To get up and have the suhoor is an act of worship. So when you get up and you eat, فَأَنْتَ تَعْبُدُ اللَّهِ Then you are worshipping Allah. أَنْتَ تَأْكُلْ وَتَعْبُدُ اللَّهِ You are eating and you are worshipping Allah. لِأَنَّكَ تَقْصُدُ بِهَذَا الْأَكَلْ بِدَايَةَ الصِّيَامِ because the point of you eating this food, the reason why you are eating is with the intention of then starting your fast. So that is an act of worship because you intend to gain some energy with this food that you are eating, to gain some energy, to have some uh, uh, energy for the day so you can do your worship, you can do your prayers, you can do your Quran, etc. So having that meal in the morning, you intend by it the fasting and the energy for the fasting. So it's all an act of worship. فَهَذَا الْحَدِيثِ فِيهِ فَضْلُ أَكْلَةِ السَّحُورِ وَفِيهِ أَنَّ السَّحُورِ يُؤَخَّرْ إِلَىٰ أَنْ يَطْلَعَ الْفَجْرِ The hadith also indicates that you're supposed to have this meal late, just before, as the people call it, the close time, i.e. the time when Fajr enters. You're supposed to have this meal close to that end time. How do we know that? Because you're supposed to have this meal at the time of As-Sahar. And that is the time, the last part of the night, just before the Fajr time starts. And that's why it's known as the Sahur. The Sahur 
it's taken, it's eaten at the time of Sahar, which is the last part of the night just before the Fajr time starts. So that is when this meal is supposed to be eaten. It says in the Quran also, Eat and drink until the white line becomes clear to you from the black line. When this ayah was revealed, it is mentioned that one of the companions took a black string and a white string and kept it under his pillow and kept looking to see at what stage he would be able to distinguish. Because at night in the pitch black, you can't tell which one is the white string and which one is the black string. Until a bit of light appears, then you can see which one is which. That's what the ayah seems to be saying. You can eat up until you're able to distinguish the black string from the white string. However, the meaning is not to do that. The meaning, as the Prophet ﷺ explained, is actually talking about the Fajr time. When the light of Fajr appears, that's the white string being distinguished from the blackness of the night. So in the ayah it says you can eat up until that time. And that time is when Fajr time enters. So again the ayah is indicating the last thing you're supposed to do in the night is to have the suhoor meal. That is the last thing you do before the Fajr time enters. But if a person didn't have the suhoor meal, then is that a sin? It's not a sin, but he has opposed the sunnah. The sunnah tells you have the suhoor. If a person says, I don't need to have the suhoor, I'm going to miss it, then he's opposing the sunnah. He's going against what the sunnah says, and so that is not what he should be doing. And that's why Sheikh Al-Fawzan says, even if you don't feel like eating, then you should still have something small. Even a small snack, something tiny, some water, some dates, whatever it might be. Have something so that you have implemented the sunnah of having the suhoor meal. Because there is also another narration which says that the Jews and the Christians, when they fast, it was prohibited for them to have suhoor. They made it a prohibition to have suhoor. So the Muslims, when we fast, we oppose the methodology of the people of the book and we take the suhoor meal. So there is barakah in it, it helps you and gives you energy for the day. It is in opposition to the people of the book who do not have the suhoor meal. And it is supposed to be eaten at the last chance before the Fajr time starts. 
It's a mistake what some people do also. After taraweeh prayer, they go and have a big meal. After taraweeh, they go and have a big meal. Rice and what? Lamb, mashallah. Rice and full lamb leg and everything. They have a big meal after taraweeh. And then that's 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. Fajr time is going to start 3 o'clock. They eat at 1 o'clock like that. And that's it. They don't bother eating anything afterwards. They say, this is the suhoor. That is a mistake. The suhoor is not supposed to be 2 hours, 3 hours before Fajr. It's supposed to be right next to Fajr, just before the Fajr time starts. So you can't just have a big meal after Taraweeh and then say, that's it. Don't have to get up afterwards now. And then maybe they get so lazy, they don't even get up for the Fajr prayer as well. So a Sheikh Al-Fawzan says, that is a mistake. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to wake up before the Fajr starts. Have that meal, and then the Fajr time enters, and you go and pray. Then, عن أنس بن مالك عن زيد بن ثابت رضي الله عنهما قال تصحرنا مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ثم قام إلى الصلاة قال أنس قلت لزيد كم كان بين الأذان والسحور قال قدر خمسين آية In this hadith Anas ibn Malik narrates from Zayd ibn Thabit who said that we had the sahur with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and then he got up for the prayer, the Fajr prayer. So Anas said that he asked Zayd, how big was the gap between the Adhan and the Suhoor? Because Zayd ibn Thabit, he said, we had the Suhoor with the Prophet Then the Prophet went to pray. So... Anas ibn Malik asked him, how big was the time gap from the suhoor, when you had the suhoor, up until when the adhan was done for the fajr prayer? How big was the gap between them? And he said to him, it was the amount of time that it takes to read 50 ayahs from the Qur'an. 50 ayahs from the Qur'an, like in the mushaf, that's on average, maybe how many pages? In the Uthmani one everybody uses, how many pages is 50 eyes? In the middle, not Surah Al-Baqarah, not just Amma, in the middle amount of ayat, two, three, four pages. So how long does it take you to read two, three, four, five pages? Not much, minutes. We're not talking half an hour, one hour. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, it doesn't take long to read three or four or five or even six pages of the Qur'an. It doesn't take long to read five or six pages of the Qur'an. That is all the time that used to be from when having the suhoor to when the time for Fajr entered. 
meaning they were having the suhoor right at the end and there wasn't much time left up until Fajr was going to start. Only enough time you could get through three or four or five pages of the Quran and Fajr time has started. So it means they were having the suhoor very late and that is what you're supposed to do. Have the suhoor right at the end just when you've got time left to have it before Fajr time is going to start. Because this hadith shows they were having the suhoor very late and when they finished the suhoor, there was hardly any time left until Fajr entered. So here, هذا Anas ibn Malik, Khadim al-Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, yas'alu Zayd ibn Thabit, radiyallahu anhu, li'anna Zaydan kana ya'ti inda al-Rasul, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ya'tihi fi al-layl wa fi al-nahar, li'anna kana yaktub al-wahi, كان زيد بن ثابت كاتبا للنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يكتب له الرسائل ويكتب الوحي رضي الله تعالى عنه وكان شابا ذكيا وكان يحضر عند الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم لأجل حاجة الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم إليه وكان يتصحر معه في صيام رمضان زيد بن ثابت used to be the writer for the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he used to write down the revelation. He used to write down letters for the Prophet ﷺ to send. So he used to serve the Prophet ﷺ in that way. So he was with the Prophet ﷺ at night sometimes, etc., in different times. And in Ramadan, he would be with the Prophet ﷺ at night and would therefore end up having the suhoor with the Prophet ﷺ. فَكَانَ يَتَصَحَّرُ مَعَهُ فِي صِيَامِ رَمَضَانِ يَتَصَحَّرُ مع الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم فأنس رضي الله عنه سأل زيدا فأنس so بن مالك أسكت زيد بن ثابت كم بين نهاية السحور وبين الإقامة لصلاة الفجر so he asked زيد بن ثابت since you were there with the prophet how big was the gap from the time when you finished your سحور up until the iqama for fajr prayer al qadru 50 ayah he said the amount it takes to read 50 ayahs wa hadha ala aadat al arab annahum yaqdirun al mudda bil fi'l mithl qawlihim qadr nahr juzur wa qadr qira'at 50 ayah this is a common thing amongst the Arabs to give estimations based upon how long it takes to do something. To give an estimation based upon how long it takes to do something. So instead of saying 10 minutes, 20 minutes, he said, how long it takes you to read 50 ayahs of the Quran. Gave him that example of that action as the estimation of the time period. And that is known amongst the Arabs to do that. فَقِرَاءَةُ خَمْسِينَ آيَةٍ لَا يَكُونُ الْوَقْتِ طَوِيلًا بَيْنَ نِهَايَةِ السَّحُورِ وَإِقَامَةِ الصَّلَاةِ فَدَلَّ عَلَى فَضِيلَةِ تَأْخِيرِ السَّحُورِ بِحَيْثْ لَا يَبْقَى بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَ إِقَامَةِ صَلَاةِ الْفَجَرِ إِلَّا زَمَنْ يَسِيرٍ So basically the hadith indicates that by the time you finish the suhoor, up until when the Fajr prayer is going to be prayed, the time of Fajr is going to enter and they're going to pray, 
is just minutes, minutes, no more than that. Showing that you have your suhoor right at the end, not one hour before, two hours before. In some of these timetables, it's like one and a half hours before the fajr time enters. Completely wrong. You can eat all the way up until that fajr time enters. Then after that, وَعَنْ عَائِشَةَ وَأُمِّ سَلَامَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا أَنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ كَانَ يُدْرِكُهُ الْفَجْرِ وَهُوَ جُنُبْ مِنْ أَهْلِهِ ثُمَّ يَغْتَسِلُ وَيَصُومُ That the Prophet ﷺ used to, uh, the Fajr time used to enter, the Fajr time used to enter, meaning the fasting had now begun, and he was still upon the ritual impurity from intercourse, but he would just make the ghusl and fast. This indicates that if a person wakes up and he is upon the janabah, the ritual impurity, that does not affect your ability to start fasting. It does not affect your ability to start fasting. You can start fasting, the fast has begun, and then you go make your ghusl, and obviously you have to quickly go make your ghusl because you need to pray fajr. So the fast can start, and you haven't done your ghusl yet, it's okay. Then you're going to have to go make your ghusl very soon in order to go and be able to pray fajr. But the point being, the fasting can begin, and you are still in the janaba, you haven't made your ghusl, that's okay. هذا فيه أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يدركه الفجر وهو جنب من أهله لماذا قالت وهو جنب من أهله لترفع أن تكون الجناب عن احتلام وتقرر أن الجناب عن جماع وليس احتلام so she mentioned أم سلمة that he was upon the ritual impurity from the intercourse with his family. She specified that so that it would not be mistaken to be upon the ritual impurity from a wet dream. Rather it was from the intercourse with one of his wives. فَدَلَّ هَذَا الْحَدِيثَ عَلَىٰ أَنَّهُ يُسْتَحَبُّ لِلْإِنسَانِ أَنْ يَسْتَمِرَّ فِي الْأَكْلِ وَشُرْبَ الْجِمَاعِ إِلَىٰ طُلُوعِ الْفَجْرِ this indicates that it is permissible to eat and drink all the way up until the Fajr time starts. We've already seen that in the last hadith. But this hadith indicates it is permissible also to engage in the intercourse up until the Fajr time starts. It's allowed during the night time that the couple engage in that intimacy in that intercourse, it is permissible up until the Fajr time starts. Then it's impermissible. Eating, drinking, intercourse, everything. At the time of Fajr beginning, it becomes impermissible. Allah mentioned in the Quran, Now engage in that foreplay and seek what Allah has ordained for you. 
and kulu wa sharabu wa kulu wa sharabu hatta yatabayyana lakum al-khayt al-abyad min al-khayt al-aswad min al-fajr and eat and drink until that whiteness appears from the darkness of fajr meaning the fajr time enters faj'ala al-ghayata li nihayat al-jima' wa nihayat al-akl wa shurb tulu' al-fajr therefore the end the cut off for eating drinking intercourse etc is the start time of fajr beyond that haram cannot do it when you're fasting up until the time of fajr starting then it is permissible وَمَنْ لَازَمَ ذَلِكَ إِذَا جَامَعَ عِنْدَ طُلُوعِ الْفَجْرِ مَنْ لَازَمَ ذَلِكَ نعم مِنْ لَازِمْ ذَلِكَ إِذَا جَامَعَ عِنْدَ طُلُوعِ الْفَجْرِ مِنْ لَازِمِ ذَلِكَ أَنْ يُؤَخَّرْ الْإِغْتِسَالِ أو أَنْ يُؤَخِّرْ الْإِغْتِسَالِ So if a person engaged in intercourse during the night and continued or finished at the time of Fajr, just before the time of Fajr, which is permissible, it means they're still going to obviously be upon their ritual impurity when Fajr time starts. If they ended that intimacy just before the Fajr time starts, then Fajr time is going to start and they haven't done their ghusl yet, obviously, as is mentioned in this hadith. فَيَكُونُ لِغَتِسَالِ بَعْدَ الْفَجْرِ فَدَلَّ عَلَى صِحَّةِ الصَّيَامِ مِنَ الْجُنُبِ وَأَنَّهُ لَا يُشْتَرَطُ لِلصَّيَامِ الطَّهَارَ مِثْلُ الصَّلَاةِ Therefore, a person upon ritual impurity, his fasting is legitimate. It's not like the prayer where you have to be upon purity to start the prayer. With the fasting, it is not a condition you have to be upon purity. The fasting is valid and it starts. فَإِنَّ مِنْ لَازِمْ أَنَّ مَنْ يُجَامِعْ إِلَىٰ أَنْ يَطْلَعِ الْفَجْرِ مِنْ لَازِمِ ذَلِكَ أَنْ يَلْزَمْ وَيُمْسِكْ لِلصِّيَامِ وَلَوْ لَمْ يَغْتَسِلْ وَيُؤْخِرَ لِغْتِسَالِ So if a person engaged in the intimacy up until just before the Fajr, at the Fajr time starting, he's going to start fasting, and then after that he's going to go and do his ghusl after he's already started fasting, and that is okay. وَكَذَلِكَ الْحَائِضِ وَالنُّفَسَ إِذَا انْقَطَعَ دَمُهَا عِنْدَ الْفَجْرِ فَإِنَّهُمَا تَتَصَحَّرَانِ أَوَّلًا ثُمَّ تُؤَخِّرَانِ لِغَتِسَالِ لَبْعِدَ طُولِ الْفَجْرِ Similarly, imagine a woman is on her period, then obviously she's not going to be fasting, but imagine her period stops, finishes, just before the Fajr time enters one morning. It finishes just before the Fajr time enters. For example, the Fajr time enters 3.30 a.m. And she realizes, she realizes that her period has come to an end at 3.15, 3.20 a.m. So it's ended before the Fajr time started. Ten minutes to go, she realizes, okay, it's ended. So now if she goes straight away to make the ghusl first, she's going to end up missing suhoor. So instead what she can do, she can sit down, have the suhoor, and then after 3.30, she can go and make the ghusl and pray. She can start the fast and she's still upon the janaba, but her 
period has ended. That's ended. She's gone and realized that quarter past three, the period has ended. So that's ended, it's finished. She's now just on Janaba. She's upon the impurity. So she can eat the suhoor and after the time begins, she can go make the ghusl. وَهَذَا مِنْ تَيْسِيرِ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَىٰ عَلَىٰ عِبَادِهِ And this is from the ease that Allah has given His servants. Then after that, عَنَ بِهُرَيْرَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ عَنِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَىٰهُ عَلَىٰ سَلَّمْ قَالْ مَنْ نَسِيَّ وَهُوَ صَائِمٌ فَأَكَلَ أَوْ شَرِبَ فَلْيُتِمَّ سَوْمَهُ فَإِنَّمَا أَطَعَمَهُ اللَّهُ وَسَقَاهُ This hadith of Abu Hurairah, radiallahu anhu, it mentions that whoever forgets that he's fasting and he ends up eating or drinking, then he should still for the rest of the day carry on fasting and finish it. Because indeed, that is Allah who has fed him and given him that drink. So imagine now you're fasting, Ramadan has come, and you're fasting, and then in the middle of the day you forget that it's Ramadan and you're fasting. So you go to the kitchen and you eat something. Then you remember that it's fasting, Ramadan, after you've eaten something. So now what do you have to do? For the rest of the day, you carry on fasting. Don't say, that's it, too late, now I ate, I've broken it. Now, if you remember, now you've remembered, you carry on for the rest of the day, and will the day count though? Even though you ate? But imagine you forgot it was Ramadan, and you forgot it's Ramadan. And you go, and you eat lots, loads, full. Pizza, cake, drink, everything. You have a big meal, full big meal. Then after you finish the full big meal, and you're washing your hands, then you remember. It's fasting today, I'm fasting. Now what do you do for the rest of the day? You had the full big meal stuffed. Carry on fasting, will it count? It won't count now? It still counts for the rest of the day. Because you ate, because you genuinely, definitely forgot. And you were eating. Then at the end you remembered after you've eaten, even if you ate a three-course meal. Then at the end you remembered, so that's it, no problem now. For the rest of the day you carry on fasting and it will count. The only thing is, imagine now it's Ramadan, you go into the kitchen and you start eating, 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 eating. And halfway through that pizza, you're on the fifth slice, and you bite it, and then you remember. You've just bitten off 
That slice, it's in your mouth, and you remember. So now what do you do? So you can't finish that bite? You can finish it? It was the other flavor one. You hadn't tasted that one yet. Can you finish it or not? So if you're eating, you forgot, and you're eating, and you remember whatever food you got in your mouth, you have to get it out. Because you remembered now. So if you eat it now, it means you've eaten it after you remembered. So you haven't eaten it forgetfully. You've eaten it after you remembered. So if you eat that one, it's going to break your fast. As soon as you remember, you have to get rid of whatever's in your mouth. You can't eat anymore, even what's in your mouth already. Because now you've remembered. So if you eat that, there's no forgetfulness. You've done it on purpose now, it means. So you have to get rid of whatever you're eating, wash your mouth out, and you carry on for the rest of the day, and it will count. Because that was genuinely forgetfulness. And Allah says in the Quran, رَبَّنَا لَا تُؤَاخِذْنَا إِن نَسِينَا أَوْ أَخْطَأْنَا Oh Allah, don't hold us accountable if we forget or we make a mistake. And this can happen. I remember one time I went to London. There was a small conference. Abu Hakim was there. Both of us, we went. And the brothers in London, one of the brothers who was hosting us there, got some food, and we sat down, we ate chicken and everything, and chips and everything. I don't think there was rice, very bad and healthy food only. We ate everything, drinks, everything. The brother who was hosting us from London ate everything. We ate everything. When all the food was finished, and we were just finishing our drinks, then that brother said, oh. he was fasting that day. He was fasting that day, and he sat down at everything right at the end of that full meal. He remembered he was fasting that day, but it's okay. He can carry on and it will count. He genuinely forgot that he was fasting. So that is if you genuinely forget. As soon as you remember, you must spit it out and carry on for the rest of the day. فَإِذَا نَسِيَ فَأَكَلَ أَوْ شَرِبَ فَإِنَّهُ لَا يُؤَثِّرُ ذَلِكَ عَلَى صِيَامِهِ هَذَا دَلَالَةُ الْمَنْطُوقِ وَدَلَالَةُ الْمَفْهُومِ أَنَّهُ إِنْ تَعَمَّدَ الْأَكَلْ وَشُرْبَ بَطَلَ صِيَامُهُ So this hadith tells you if you forgetfully eat, it doesn't break your fast, you carry on. But that means if you eat not forgetfully on purpose, it will break your fast. Then after that, Anabi Hurairah radiallahu anhu qal, Bainama nahnu jalusun inda nabiyyi sallallahu sallam idh jaahu rajulun faqal, Ya Rasulallah, halaktu. Qala, ma ahlakaka? Qala, waqa'atu ala mra'ati wa ana sa'im. Wa fi riwaya, asabtu ahli fi ramadhan. فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم هل تجد رقبة تعتقها قال لا 
قال فهل تستطيع أن تصوم شهرين متتابعين قال لا قال فهل تجد إطعام ستين مسكينا قال لا قال فمكث النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فبينا نحن على ذلك أتي النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بعرق فيه تمر والعرق المكتل قال أين السائل قال أنا قال خذ هذا فتصدق به فقال الرجل على أفقر مني يا رسول الله فوالله ما بين لابتيها يريد الحرتين المدينة أهل بيت أفقر من أهل بيتي فضحك رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم حتى بدت أنيابه ثم قال أطعمه أهلك This hadith it mentions that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was sitting with some of his companions and a man came in and said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam I am destroyed Prophet said, what has destroyed you? What's happened? He said, I engaged in intercourse during the day of Ramadan. He was fasting and he engaged in intercourse. So the Prophet said, are you able to free a slave? He said, no. He said, are you able to fast two months in a row every day? He said, no. He said, are you able to feed 60 poor people? He said, no. So the Prophet was there in that state. The man had said he can't do any of those things. And then whilst they were there, somebody came in with a bowl of dates. So the Prophet got them and said, where's the questioner? Where's that man who was asking those questions about being destroyed? The man said, ah, me. He was there. He said, ah, it's me. So the Prophet said, take these dates and go and give them in charity as an expiation for what you did. The man said, but O Messenger of Allah, is there anybody in Medina poorer than my family? Meaning, who can I give charity to? Me and my family, we are the poorest people in Medina. So the Prophet ﷺ began to laugh until he was laughing, he was smiling, his teeth could be seen from laughing. And then he said to him, take it and give it in charity upon your own family. Feed your own family. So this hadith, there are a few issues mentioned. Firstly, we know that this man came to the Prophet ﷺ in fear. He was fearful. He knew he'd done something. He came in fear. He said, I've been destroyed. And this shows how the companions, they recognized the greatness, the significance of sins. He knew that this was a tremendous sin that had occurred from him. And they knew this isn't something easy or light or something not to pay attention to. He was afraid. And he came with that fear saying, Oh Messenger, I've destroyed myself. Knowing what he's done and the magnitude 
the big sin that he's done. So the messenger asked him what's happened. He said that I've engaged in intercourse uh, whilst I was fasting. Uh, and so the Prophet وسلم, uh, told him or the man recognized that he was deserving of some punishment now. So the Prophet وسلم, said to him, can you free a slave? He said, no. Can you fast two months in a row? He said, no. Can you feed 60 people? He said, no. He couldn't do any of those three things as an expiation for what he'd done. So then the Prophet ﷺ was sitting there. There was no apparent solution at this stage. And then a man came in with some dates. And the Prophet ﷺ gave him those dates and told him and the story we mentioned in the hadith. So what do we learn from this? Firstly, that intercourse whilst you are fasting is a nullifier of fasting. It nullifies the fast of a person. فَدَلَّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ مِنْ جُمْلَةِ مَا يَتَجَنَّبُهُ الصَّائِمْ فِي النَّهَارِ الصَّيَامِ الْجِمَاعِ وَدَلَّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الْجِمَاعِ يُفْضَلُ الصَّيَامِ وَيُوجِبُ الْكَفَّارَةِ So if a person engages in intercourse during fasting, it nullifies the fast and you have to give an expiation. Secondly, connected to that point, the first point being that Intercourse is something that is prohibited when fasting. Secondly, it nullifies the fast and an expiation has to be given. Nullifies the fast and an expiation has to be given. And the expiation that has to be given is in the order that was mentioned. Either you free a slave initially, if you can't do that, then you fast two months in a row. If you can't do that, then you feed 60 people. In that order, not as a choice anyone, in that order, whichever one can be done. Also what we learn from this narration is that the Prophet ﷺ had gentleness with the people, that he uh, spoke to this person with that goodness and explained to him what to do and in the end showed him that gentleness in giving him the dates and telling him to uh, go and give that in charity. Also the hadith indicates, and this is differed upon by the scholars, but the hadith seems to indicate that if a person is not able to do the expiation, he's not able to free a slave, he's not able to fast two months, he's not able to feed 60 people, that the expiation drops. The hadith seems to indicate that. That the expiation drops if he can't do anything. The scholars differ over that though. Some scholars they say if you can't do any of those three things, then there's no expiation upon you, nothing you can do. Others they say no, it doesn't drop, it just gets put on hold until you are able to do it. Later on in your life, maybe you get some money, or maybe your health comes back, or something changes in your circumstances, and you can do one of those expiations, it's obligatory still to do it. It's upon your shoulders, remains there until you are able to do it. That is one opinion. The other opinion is, it drops if you're not able to do any of them.
The only other major issue in this narration as well the scholars mention is, is the expiation obligatory upon the man? Yes. That's in the hadith. Is it also obligatory upon the woman? The hadith doesn't seem to mention anything about his wife. Consensual. Mm. Then only the man. Uh This hadith doesn't seem to indicate anything about the woman. The hadith is all about the man and his expiation. And when he couldn't do it, the Prophet didn't say, okay, what about your wife then? Let's move on to her. Can she free a slave? Can she do this? Can Nothing. When the man got through the list and he couldn't do anything, how come the Prophet didn't say then? Okay, then the wife then, what about the wife? Is she able to do this, that, the other? He didn't even mention her. Didn't even mention the expiation for the wife at all. That's why some scholars say the expiation consensual even is only upon the man. That is one opinion of some scholars. Other opinion is like you said, that yes, if the woman was consenting to that too, then it's upon her to give the expiation too. And that's a difference between the scholars. Obviously because in the hadith, nothing is mentioned about the wife, that's why they say there is nothing upon the woman. And they have the fiqh principle in usul al-fiqh. لا يجوز تأخير البيان عن وقت الحاجة. This is وقت الحاجة. You cannot delay explaining something from the point of need. Right now the man is there telling his situation. That's when he needs the full fatwa. You can't say, well, afterwards the Prophet was going to explain to him about his wife. He needs to know right now. His wife was engaged with him in that act. He needs to know the full ruling right now. Him for his wife, for everything. In Usul al-Fiqh they say, in this situation you can't delay explaining the full ruling at the time when it's needed. The Prophet didn't explain it, even though it was needed. And that seems to indicate that the wife, there's nothing upon her, for the scholars who say there's nothing upon her. So, we're going to round off on that one for today. Any questions? If the man expiates, does he have to make up that day as well? Has to make up the day too. That day has been nullified. Has to make up the day and expiate. It could be different reasons. Medical, health, health reasons, medical reasons. Somebody is unable to fast for 60 days. It's possible. That's what we said. If you can't do any of them, some scholars say it's forgiven. Others say you got to do it later on in your life when you are able. Allah, about the wife, I don't know what the strongest opinion is regarding the issue of the wife. Now, this is another issue as well. 
Is he forgiven if he was jahil or nasty? Well, I think we don't have enough time. Next week, you can maybe mention that first. Remind me, at the beginning of next week, we'll just finish that point, and then we'll move on to the section after that. Is he forgiven if he engaged in intercourse forgetfully or unknowingly? He didn't know that it's haram. So we'll mention that next week, inshallah ta'ala. All right, we'll end up from there for tonight then.